Israel would not have a time of feasting. No, 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 no. Their feast was built into their religious practices. No, they couldn't feast. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And this is Bible Discovery as we discover Hosea chapter 9 today in five minutes. It's going to be very interesting as we find out what God is doing. Corey is here to help us with Ryan. Corey. We're going to be taking a look at Hosea chapter 10 today. Ryan? Was it right for Hosea to marry a prostitute? And was it right for God to command Hosea to do so? These are the tough questions that I'm going to be dealing with today on the program. These segments are coming up in 20 minutes. I look forward to that, Ryan. It's going to be very good. Look forward to that, Corey. Janice, what did you do? Well, a different kind of a segment today. It's called Back to School Days. Okay. Very good. We'll, we'll make comment on that later. Uh, okay. That's coming up in about 25 minutes. Open your Bible and let's learn. Hosea 9, 1 through 9. Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the winepress shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and shall eat unclean things in Assyria. They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, nor shall their sacrifices be pleasing to Him. It shall be like bread of mourners to them. All who eat it shall be defiled. For their bread shall be for their own life. It shall not come into the house of the Lord." What will you do in the appointed day and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For indeed, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess their valuables of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. The days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel knows. The prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane because of the greatness of your iniquity and great enmity. The watchman of Ephraim is with my God, but the prophet is a fouler snare in all his ways. Enmity in the house of his God. They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gibeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Hosea chapter 9, verses 1 through 9. Hosea chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10, and chapter 11. That's what we read today in our assignment through God's Word. Isn't it exciting going through the Word of God? We learn so much about the people. Well, you know, the name Hosea not only means salvation, but it can also mean deliverance. Now, this is fitting since the prophet Hosea was a dynamic writer and a minister of the word of God. No matter what came his way or how bad it may have looked at times, Hosea's life was wholly dedicated to following what God had said. 
Now, Hosea came onto the scene just before the northern nation of Israel fell to the powerful and brutal Assyrians around 722 BC. In the book of Hosea chapter 9, we read his description of Israel's sins. A people who were not taking the call of God seriously in their lives. Hosea, who strove to always honor the Lord carefully, spelled out to the people what God was going to do because of their unrepentant and willful sin. Now, we would do well in our daily Christian walk to seek after and follow God with all our heart, to hear and know his word, and to apply it in our daily life with the help of his Holy Spirit. That's very, very important. And today, as we deal with God's judgment on sin, and it does happen, and it's real, we're going to study through Hosea chapter 8. Hosea chapter 8 speaks about apostasy in Israel. We're going to study through Hosea chapter 9, the judgment of Israel's sin. It's interesting because we're going to also study God's continuing love for Israel, God's charge against Ephraim, and the rest of it. Now, As we look at this, we need to understand that God is speaking to us. And so, Father, today, we pray that you would continue to speak, even though so many people don't listen. I would simply pray that you would help us to listen. We're trying to hear you. And, Father, there are many people. uh, I know because I hear them on the prayer meeting, and I hear them in letters, and I hear them in emails, and and I, they're, they're listening, Lord, and I thank you for them. But I pray, Lord, help us all to listen. We need to listen to you. Sin is such a horrible thing. And sometimes it sidetracks us and detracts us. So forgive me, Lord, for my sin. Forgive us for our sin and help us to hear you today. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we all said together, amen and amen. Now let's look at Hosea chapter 9. Uh, verse 1 says, Do not rejoice, O Israel, with joy like other peoples, for you have played the harlot against your God. You have played the harlot against your God. You have made love for hire on every threshing floor. The threshing floor and the winepress shall not feed them, and the new wine shall fail in her. They shall not dwell in the Lord's land, but Ephraim shall return to Egypt and shall eat unclean things in Assyria. Wow, that's incredibly depressing. Israel would not have time of feasting. God had withheld his harvest because of their sins. We must always seek God and keep a repentant attitude towards him. Beloved, A repentant attitude towards God is recognizing that we are in a sinful world and that while God made us holy in our spirit, still we are affected by the sinful culture that we live in. God will help us. The Holy Spirit will help us as we go through this life, which is very difficult for a Christian, a true Christian to navigate. Still, God will help us go through it. So, beloved, it's not depressing. It's helpful. God is helping us get there. Now, go back to verse 4 of chapter 9, and we learn, They shall not offer wine offerings to the Lord, nor shall their sacrifices be pleasing to him. It shall be like bread of mourners to them, 
What? Absolutely. All who eat it shall be defiled, for their bread shall be for their own life, and it shall not come into the house of the Lord. What will you do in the appointed day and in the day of the feast of the Lord? For indeed, they are gone because of destruction. Egypt shall gather them up. Memphis shall bury them. Nettles shall possess them and valuables of silver. Thorns shall be in their tents. You know, God is telling the truth here. The northern kingdom of Israel will fail and fall. They've rejected God. God has his plans and we have ours. But in the end, only the plans of God it's only the plans of God that come to be. Beloved, becomes very important to understand that. We have our plans and we, well, I'd like to do this, this, and this, but God has his plans. We must submit our plans if we follow Jesus Christ. Okay, Lord, this is what I want to do, but help me. Now, you know what happens a lot of times the Lord says, I'm going to take that desire you have and lead you in that direction, but you're not going to do it quite that way, but it's going to happen. Beloved, God knows us and created us and made us that way. So let's pay attention to the Lord. Very interesting, isn't it? Now, Hosea goes on to say something else in chapter nine. He says, the days of punishment have come. The days of recompense have come. Israel knows the prophet is a fool. The spiritual man is insane. Because of the greatness of your iniquity and great enmity, the watchman of Ephraim is with my God. But the prophet is a fowler's snare in all of his way. Enmity in the house of God. They are deeply corrupted as in the days of Gabeah. He will remember their iniquity. He will punish their sins. Which brings me to this point. Listen carefully. The people were so corrupt and they were so guilty. They consider God's messengers as fools and insane. That's how corrupt they were. Beloved, we must keep our heart and we must keep our ears open to know and live the truth of God's word. People say to me, well, how do you know if a prophet is right or wrong? Well, you do if you're reading God's word because he's prophesied everything and there's not much else to learn except in God's word. I remember somebody gave me once they we were at a place and somebody so-called prophesied over me and that was fine. And somebody typed it out and they framed it and they gave it to me. And I said, well, thank you. And, and I said, what am I going to do with this? And they said, well, this is the prophecy over you. Hang it on your wall. And I took it home and I never hung it up. I just put it away because the word of God is what I put on my wall. If I'm going to put anything on my wall, it's going to be the word of God. This is what I value as what the Lord said. This is what I value right here. This is it. I, I, if I'm going to listen to anybody, it's going to be the Lord. If I'm going to hear anybody, I'm going to hear God. And beloved, I want to encourage you. That's what you need to do. If you're going to church, it's great that you listen to your preacher and he preaches the word. That's good. But at the end of the day, it's God who's going to ask you when you get to heaven, how well did you do with what I gave you? It's true. Beloved, we need to pay attention to the Lord. Listen to the Lord. He speaks to us through his word. This is very important. That's what Hosea was saying to us. 
this character of King Saul, this historical figure. Now, I think it's probably fair to say that most of us, when we think of King Saul, we think of the bad guy foil to King David. But an entire book of the Bible is also dedicated to mostly his reign. Of course, that's 1 Samuel. So I'm really excited to jump into it today and see what we can learn about Saul. As we carry on with our Bible study, today my focus is on God's command to his prophet Hosea to marry a prostitute. No doubt this has to be one of the most controversial passages in the entire Bible, and it does raise some questions and concerns. Like, why would God break his own law by asking Hosea to do such a thing? Well, let's study. It's no secret that the Bible contains many strange and shocking things, and God's command to the prophet Hosea is no exception. In fact, in Hosea's inaugural vision from the Lord, God commands him, Go, take yourself a wife of harlotry and children of harlotry, for the land has committed great harlotry by departing from the Lord. So Hosea went and took Gomer, the daughter of Diblaim, as wife, and she bore three children. This highly controversial portion of scripture clearly raises some questions and concerns. Mostly, how could a holy and righteous God break his own law by ordering Hosea to first of all marry a prostitute, and secondly, by doing so, commit adultery? Various scholars have proposed various solutions. For example, some prefer not to take this passage literally, but instead allegorically, meaning Gomer wasn't really a physical prostitute at all, only a spiritual one. However, others preferring to take the text literally suggest that Gomer became a harlot only after she had married Hosea. In this scenario, the Lord was commanding the prophet to marry a woman who God knew would be promiscuous later. Still, other scholars have no issue in taking the text both literally and at face value, pointing out that even if Gomer was a harlot previous to her marriage to Hosea, there is no problem, since none of God's laws were being violated in the first place. First of all, according to Leviticus chapter 21, verses 7 and 14, it was only unlawful for a priest to marry a harlot. And secondly, Hosea did not commit adultery by marrying a harlot, because she was an unmarried woman. It is an unusual command to be sure, but it does not require Hosea to commit adultery, nor does it endorse the past or future adultery of Gomer. Even when Gomer is unfaithful to Hosea, God commands Hosea to love her and take her back. And that is exactly the point. Hosea's unhappy marriage was intended by God to serve as a heartrending illustration of the relationship between God and Israel. Though Israel, like Gomer, committed great harlotry by serving other gods, God still loved her and will take her back. So personally, I take this text straight up. I know it can be offensive and shocking to us, but remember that God did stuff like this with his prophets all the time. I mean, he commanded Isaiah to walk around naked for a few years, and he asked Jeremiah to take a really long trip just to bury something and then go back and unbury it. And then there was, of course, Ezekiel, who was commanded to lay on his side for 430 days. The point is, all of these were illustrations or pictures of what God was doing. And it's no different for this command to Hosea. And again, none of the Mosaic laws were broken. I mean, God would know he gave the law. In fact, he did. And uh, we need to 
we need to remember this. These were Old Testament times. God was using his prophets this way. And uh, he, he was, they, I mean, obviously he would protect them from anything. But it really is fascinating. Yeah, and I would just say the only reason we know the difference between right and wrong is because God is the standard, right? So anytime yeah. we make a moral judgment against God, we're using his own standards. Yeah, so exactly. something to keep in mind. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that standard comes from his word. Yeah. That's and right. uh, that, that's exactly right. And we have his word uh, in a very small form. You can get it on your phone if you want. Um, but it's just excellent. It's very good. Thank you, Ryan. Mm. Corey? All right. I wanted to talk about Hosea chapter 10 today because I, I think it's just such a really interesting chapter and it really exemplifies why paying attention when you're reading through the Bible pays off. It is always a good thing to pay attention. Uh, so chapter 10 is all about how Israel is going to end up going into exile by the empire of Assyria. So it's doomed essentially at this point. It's beyond the point where they can be forgiven by God. This is going to happen. Their judgment is coming. But I think what's really interesting is the amount of allusions that are drawn from Hosea chapter 10, but also that Hosea chapter 10 draws from other places in scripture. So right away in, in verse one, it says, Israel was a spreading vine. He brought forth fruit for himself, but as his fruit increased, he built more altars. As, he, as his land prospered, he adorned his sacred stones. So it's showing how the prosperity of Israel actually made Israel too confident in themselves and they forgot why they were prosperous in the first place, which was because they were the covenant people of God. But if you'll remember back when we were reading Ezekiel, Ezekiel uses in Ezekiel chapter 17, he uses this image of a spreading vine as well. When he's talking about his vision of the eagle and the spreading vine where, where this eagle plants a, a, a tree and it turns into a spreading vine. It's supposed to be one thing, but it turns into something else. And of course, Ezekiel is talking about the nation of Judah and how Judah followed in Israel's footsteps. But the only way you would know that this is used elsewhere in scripture is if you're paying attention to those details. I want to also drop down to verse five of Hosea chapter 10. It says, the people who live in Samaria fear for the calf idol of beth -Avon. Now, beth wasn't a real place in northern Israel, but we know where the calf idol was placed. It was placed in Bethel and it was placed in Dan. Later on in this chapter, Bethel is going to be mentioned. So beth is a clear reference to Bethel. Bethel means house of God. So why is Hosea and God calling Bethel Beth-Avon? Beth-Avon means house of wickedness. Also, when we, when we jump down to uh, Hosea 10 verse 9, it says, this is God speaking to Israel. Since the days of Gibeah, you have sinned, Israel, and there you have remained. Since the days of Gibeah, you have sinned, Israel, and there you have remained. Gibeah, what happened at Gibeah? For that, we have to jump back to Judges chapter 19 through 21. And the point of these last few chapters of Judges was that Israel had fallen so far into apostasy and moral corruption that they themselves had become just like Sodom and Gomorrah in their, in their immorality. They had become worthy of judgment, uh, unredeemable at that point. But again, the only way that you're going to know that Hosea and God is referencing this point is if you've been paying attention to scripture. Uh, 
One more time, I, I want to take you to Hosea 10, verse 11. Uh, Israel is also referred to as Ephraim, which was one of the, the biggest tribes of northern Israel and also back in Genesis was prophesied to lead, right? So it says this, Ephraim is a trained heifer that loves to thresh. So I will put a yoke on her fair neck. I will drive Ephraim. So this is judgment. This is not good. This is judgment. But then it says, Judah must plow and Jacob must break up ground. So again, all throughout the prophets, whether they're earlier like Hosea or whether they're later like Ezekiel, they paired up this idea where, you know, Northern Israel and Southern Judah split over religious views and Judah was supposed to be different. They were supposed to be better because they had the temple of God and they had the Levitical priesthood. They had the, 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 the covenant of David with their kings. And yet instead they chose to just follow in Northern Israel's footsteps. So even though this chapter is about how Northern Israel is going to go into uh, captivity, we learn very quickly through reading it that also, Judah is going in the same way. Very interesting. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Corey. That mm -hmm. is uh, excellent. Um, and you may be wondering what we're going to do, Janice. I'm wondering what we're going to do, but what are we going to do? Right oh, now? the back to the school days. Well, thank you both, uh, Ryan and Corey, for your good teaching today. I've, I've sort of uh, slipped um, into a different look here at the segment because as I see that it's September the 1st, I always remember my brother. I'm the oldest born, and my brother's three years younger than Darren. me, Darren. <clears throat> and I loved school. I loved going back to school. It was such an exciting time. You got new pencils. You got a new, well, we didn't have backpacks back then, but we got new binders and things like that. And my brother, Darren, would just be just horrified when we would get flyers with the newspaper that showed school supplies coming. And in fact, he would hide them from my mom and dad so that they wouldn't see that it was time to get their school supplies. And when I saw that it was September the 1st, I, I recognized the fact that in the United States and around the world, you may not, you may have already started school. Your children may already be going to school. Here in Canada, uh, typically, our students don't start to go back to school until the day after Labor Day, after the Labor Day weekend. But as September the 1st hit, my first thought was towards the parents, sometimes the grandparents who are raising their children, or um, to the students. You may be starting, your little one may be starting in JK or senior kindergarten, or you may be yourself heading off to university or college for the first time. I just want to really encourage you, and I want to also spend a little bit of time at the end um, in prayer for you parents as you have been preparing your children to go back to school with all of the supplies and all of the things that you need to get them ready to go, but more importantly, as parents and as grandparents, to be able to really pray for our children. You know, it's been a very difficult couple of years and a lot of their education has been interrupted. A lot of people have pulled education back into their homes and are homeschooling. And if you're doing that, I, I congratulate you. It is a very big commitment and a very big job that, it, that will be a blessing and it will reap many eternal rewards, but it is very difficult. So I just really want to blanket everybody today, parents and teachers. Um, we're going to have a, a day um, 
next week where we're going to focus on the teachers in the, in the school systems. But I really would like to focus our attention on you parents and you students. It doesn't matter how old you are. And I want to encourage you as young people, if you happen to be watching this program, you know God loves you so very intensely. And you know God wants to come with you when you go to school, whether that's in JK or whether that's university and college. God wants to come with you. He wants to be there. He wants to help you through the difficult challenges that you'll face, some of the situations that might be frightening to you because they're new. He wants you to, to, to be there uh, and to help to protect you. And so that's Rod. I would like us to focus now on the parents um, and, and on the students, no matter what age they are, that we would pray for God's protection. Or where they're at. Or where they're at. Because they could be in Europe, they could be in Africa. Anywhere, they could be in Asia. anywhere in the world. And they could be schooling at home, they could be schooling abroad. But let's just remember them in prayer. I know our grandsons are getting ready to go back to school as well. So it's a very intense time right now. Yes. Would you do that in the next you know, minute yeah. and a little uh, bit? I would simply say that a lot of people will panic when they hear this is going to happen or that's going to happen or want to make this. Don't panic. Let's pray and ask God to move into every situation and help us. Father, I pray today in the name of Jesus Christ for all of the parents. And I pray for all of the kids. The kids are great. Lord, thank you for the children. We pray for them that you would give them grace and may they also find you. And Lord, we pray that there's a lot of people who are saying different things, but Lord, we pray you are the one who can control when we give you control of our lives. So we give you control of our lives and help us, Father, in the areas that our kids are going into school, protect them from foolishness, protect them from being bullied, protect them from all of that, and give them strength, Father. I pray that the kids who know you and their parents know you, they will be stronger, and the university students would be stronger than anybody else. And we pray, Lord, that you would set an example Thank you, Father, for all of the work that we've done. But Lord, we, we need your help. Holy Spirit, we need you today. So we praise your name, Lord, for making this one of the best years that we've ever had in school and with our children. In Jesus' wonderful name, and we all said together, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I just want to mention the prayer meeting at 3.30 Eastern time in the United States of America. So if you're in Africa or you're in Europe or wherever you're at, you're in Australia, whatever, you can join us. Just focus your time that way Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And we pray for you. We do a live prayer meeting, Facebook, YouTube, and Bible Discovery TV. Be there, we'll pray for you. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to help us. Father, help us to learn your word. Help us to know what you've said and to really focus on that in Jesus' name, amen.